The Plumbing Marketing Profits Podcast. Interviews with million-dollar-plus plumbing and HVAC business owners on how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your business and discover what they are doing to keep their phone ringing, trucks running, and businesses booming. With your host, Josh Nelson. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Plumbing and HVAC Marketing Podcast. Super excited today to be with Trevor Flanagan from uh, Home Service Chats, um, which a lot of you guys are starting to know and recognize in this space as one of the leading service providers. And uh, But before that, one of, our, one of the things I was really interested in learning about Trevor is that he worked for one of the, one of the largest, most successful plumbing and HVAC companies in the Kansas City market and uh, was really instrumental in helping to grow them to north of $20 million per year in annualized revenue. So I thought it'd be great to bring Trevor on. He's got a lot of experience doing this, you know, running plumbing and HVAC business, as well as serving at this point, sounds like on, on the brink of thousands of plumbing and HVAC companies. And so I thought who better to have on the show than, than Trevor. So join me in welcoming Trevor to today's episode. Welcome, Trevor. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So I guess the, you know the kind of the best place to start is, you know, start with start with your experience at your previous company, kind of where the company got to, how many technicians, how much revenue, just to give the, the, the audience a sense of the scope of your experience. Sure. So I think it's best to back up even further. So I like to kind of give an, uh, an idea of where I came from, um, which kind of helps illustrate the, the full picture because it's, it's kind of a crazy background. So my, I actually started working for a, a grocery store, a German grocery store, um, I worked there for several years right out of school and, you know, it was a big billion dollar company, Aldi. I don't know. If they're not everywhere, um, but it's a, uh, it's enormous worldwide company and they have really solid processes. So I was a district manager for that organization and I was really good at turning poor stores into really performing stores. Um, and eventually I got tired of working 90 hours a week and working weekends and working nights and doing all of that thing. So I went back and got my master's degree. And that's where I decided that I needed to do more work than just school because it was boring. So um, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but I went ahead and uh, I saw a Craigslist ad for a service manager at, you know, Bob Hamilton at a plumbing company. And I went and applied for it. And when the interview came, um, I was sitting there with Bob and he's like, you know what? We filled that role internally. They had an HVAC manager and decided to have um, him do both plumbing and HVAC. And so when it came time for the interview, he said, we filled this and he was like, but I really like your attitude. So maybe we can bring you in and you could do something around here. So they hired me to be an office manager. And after like I was there for maybe a month. So, um, you know, the company was maybe 50 employees, 55 employees. And I went to Bob and asked him if there would be opportunity for a promotion. And I, I like asking for easy to get promotions as far as I always went in and every company did this at Aldi, did this at Bob Hamilton um, saying, Hey, if I get you here in six months, um, then can I have a promotion? Cause it makes it really easy for somebody to say yes. Mm -hmm. And so I said, can I, you know, grow the company by 20% maintain double digit net profit. And if I do that, can I have a, a raise and a promotion? And obviously he said yes. And, then the end of the year came and it was really easy for him to say absolutely and i did that a few more times while i was there and um eventually got to be you know general manager and um operations manager general manager i managed the organization and um helped it grow from around seven or eight million whenever i started to over 21 million in four years wow. um went from about 30 trucks to over 80 uh 55 employees to 125 and we offered plumbing hvac and uh router um, and it was all over the Kansas City metro. That's amazing. So that you made a massive impact in this organization. So for those of you who are like listening, to... Trevor has a thing or two to talk about how to market, how to generate leads, and uh, something else interesting, you said maintain a, a net profit of 20% plus, which is it's easy to focus on the top line and forget about the bottom line, which is really what counts at the end of the day, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I think that I had something to do with it, but we had really smart people working there. So. You know, I was just proud to be a part of a really winning team because um, everybody likes winning. And um, it's just fun to come to work every day and be on a, a common mission with a really, really, really smart people. 
Fantastic. So, and another really interesting nugget that you just shared, for those of you that are listening and maybe not own the company, uh, what a smart way, go in, add value, say, look, if I can accomplish this in the next six to 12 months, can I ask for a raise? And uh, sounds like that formula has worked pretty well for Trevor. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, people come up to me and they ask me for life advice and they're like, how do I get a promotion or what's the average pay for somebody in my role? And I'm like, that's kind of a stupid way to look at it. Like, why would you want to be average? Like, think about how you can provide value and really pay for yourself and make it easy for someone to give you more money regardless of what your title is. Like, make it easy. Absolutely. Great, great tip and uh, great, great story. You know, it's, it's great to see that level of, of success. And we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing now towards the close of the interview. But obviously, you've left Bob Hamilton and now you're running home service chats. Yep. And that's going extremely well as well. Yeah, it's been it's been a blessing for sure. Both for you and the people that you serve. You know, I hear nothing but good things from everybody that's using the home service chat service. Uh, both our clients and people that aren't clients that just happen to be using the service as well. No, oh, that's that's good to hear. And you're probably one of the more objective people about it too, since you'll fire me in a heartbeat if I'm not doing good for your websites. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So keep up, keep up the great work. <laughs> So you kind of so, gave us, you gave us a little bit of the background on kind of where you came from, how you got into the to the the business of plumbing and HVAC. Um, and so let's kind of transition you know, this this amazing success from five million dollars a year to twenty million dollars plus per year. Um, obviously, a lot of work went into to making that a reality. Um, the purpose of this this particular podcast is to talk about the marketing techniques and what you did in order to to keep the phone ringing, to keep the trucks running. Um, and I always frame it, uh, marketing really breaks down into three core elements. You've got your market, your message, and your media. Right? Your market being who you sell to, your message being how you position yourself to that market, and then the media being what types of strategies you plug into in order to get that message in front of that market. So if you don't mind, just talk a little bit about while you were at Bob Hamilton, how did you guys define that ideal customer or that, that market? Yeah. So whenever I first started, so first of all, I should say Bob's a creative genius. Like he's probably one of the smartest marketing people. And so I couldn't have asked for a better person to learn from. Um, we very much went after the, uh, you know, we called her Wanda and it was, you know, uh, we very, you know, descriptively identified, all right, it's going to be a female that we're marketing to that is, you know, between the ages of 35 and you know 55 and she's going to be in these zip codes and she has interests in x y or z and she owns a house and we really went detailed to identify the ideal customer as we grew though um you know we stopped i I wouldn't say that we stopped looking at that entirely but you know we we know that women are the decision makers in most households um regardless of what men think women rule the world so i think that you know where we started and kind of getting our marketing figured out around that was healthy. But as we continued to grow, um, it was more about who owns a home and who is willing to pay us money. And so we stopped worrying like, well, is this going to be our exact ideal buyer? And is this our ideal customer? Like some of that got a little foggy because we started doing a lot more mass media and you can't do mass media and be like, well, is it a women's station or like, you know, that's kind of crazy Mm -hmm. at that point. So you're getting kind of split in hairs. Um, You know, I just think that more so as you continue to grow and kind of get an idea of who you are and what the branding should be, it's more important to have repetitive impressions with the same person so they think you're as big as possible um, and really be consistent with the brand. And so the consistent with the jingle and the colors and make sure that whenever they see you, they're getting the same thing. And that's the difference between small companies and big companies is, you know, Starbucks versus, you know, a mom and pop coffee shop. Like I am just like trained to find the Starbucks and people can be trained to find that plumber, that HVAC company, if we kind of hone in that skill. Nice. Yeah. Great, great point. Great insight. So let's talk a little bit about the message. So how did you position yourself uniquely to, to Wanda and the greater uh, buyer of Bob Hamilton services as you guys grew? Like what was your unique positioning? Yeah, I mean, we're a hometown company. Like whenever we were there, you know, Bob is a very um, great mascot for the brand. I mean, he is like 
really personable, really easy to get to know. Like he's like your, you know, your neighbor. Um, and I think that that was kind of the idea is we didn't want to get too far away. We're not a billion dollar company. And I think that so many plumbing and HVAC companies out there try and be somebody that they're not. And I think that we grew very quickly because, you know, we knew who we were. We were, you know, just the people that you want to have in your house. Like you, we're just really nice people. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I didn't get too caught up in production value and making sure everything was just, you know, perfectly laid out. It was more about making sure that our, um, our values were there and making sure that we were pouring into the relationships. And um, whenever people watched our TV commercials or they listened to our radio commercials, they would hear Bob's kids singing in the background. And, you know, Bob is just like a character and it's just, we wanted that to shine through. And so um, if you, if you ever Google any of our commercials or you ever look at Bob Hamilton's commercials, they were, you know, fun. And we always had the TV or radio commercials um, record them for us because they're willing to do that. It's not going to be the highest production value, but they're willing, they're going to do it for free because you're buying ad spots. Um, and we wanted that to shine through. Same with our, our direct mail messages. We wanted it to one, have the mascot. So have Bob on the card. Um, we were a big fan of puppies and babies and, um, you know, some people call it pandering, but it works. And people love puppies and people love babies. So um, we did not shy away from using those pieces and, and really getting the attention of people. I mean, I'd say if anything we did well, it's capturing attention. So puppies, babies, and bright pink. Um, yeah. And it worked extraordinarily well. Awesome. Yeah, and attention, really, that's that's the crux of, of successful marketing. If you can't get their attention, then there's no way you can get them to, to buy from you. Yeah. And I think that so many companies try and be reserved. Like they try and just do the typical blue and, and red for an HVAC company or blue for a plumbing company. And there's so much noise out there that that is just not going to differentiate you. And so, you know, we changed our colors from, you know, basically just blue to blue and pink after, you know, Bob took a trip down to Houston and saw a company that was doing bright orange. And he's just like, that's genius. Like, why would I keep my trucks the same color as every single person in our neighborhood and when we changed to the bright pink and we have pink booties and did the whole pink thing people start talking because you know ultimately that's what you want is you know good or bad you want the people talking about like oh my gosh that's that's very bright i saw that pink truck from 10 miles away or yeah the technician came to my house and he's wearing a bright pink shirt like that's really good Absolutely, you have to be you have to be different in order to stand out, and I guess that's what you're saying. You guys did, and it, it definitely had an impact. For sure. Awesome, great, great stuff. So, so we got a little bit of clarity on who the ideal customer is, kind of what the what the messaging was. Um, you know, just kind of hometown friendly, going to show up on time. That's kind of the the message that I'm hearing from you. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and while I say that the production value wasn't there, I the quality of the service was premier. I mean, people have, once you capture their attention, regardless of it's a kitschy commercial, once you get in the house, you still have to perform at an excellent, um, you know, level that everyone can appreciate. So um, I don't want to say that just because our production value was low, that people didn't get an amazing experience when we came to their house, because, you know, we want to leave them with a wow. Um, and it is an experience. I always took the mentality that, you're not competing with the other plumbing and HVAC companies in your city. You're competing with Chick-fil-A and Starbucks and T-Mobile and every other experience that they have because largely your customers aren't comparing you um, to your competitors because they're hopefully not going to have a bunch of bids come out because that's the kind of a pain. They're going to be comparing you to every other interaction they have with a business. And you need to make sure that you stand out because that's the word of mouth referrals that you really want. No doubt. Yeah. Good, good stuff. So let's talk a little bit about the media, right? So what kind of marketing strategies did you guys deploy to get that message in front of Wanda and the homeowners in your, in your service area? Yeah. So Scott and I are, sorry, Bob and I got together every single uh, year um, at probably October, November, and we went through and identified um, it started out and it was just me and Bob and then it ended up being me, Bob and a marketing manager um, as we continued to grow. And we would identify 
uh, over three days exactly what we were going to do for the next year. And I think that that is a big piece of why we grew is because we had such intense um, planning and most people don't plan. Like they just let marketing or they let the year hit them and they're like, oh, we got to get a direct mail piece out. Oh, now we got to do some PPC and now we got to do this. And so we would go through and we would kind of figure out, first of all, how much are we going to grow next year? We want to be, uh, you know, 13 million. Let's okay. So 13 million, we're going to do 10% ad spend and we'd always budget for 10%, but we'd end up around 8% because we'd pull back. Um, even if we plan to spend it in June, July, we typically wouldn't need to. So we'd pull back mass media and a couple other pieces in June, July, August, if we were still busy, that way it would kind of super pull down our uh, marketing cost and end up, make us end up at 8%. Um, but we would go through and we would do direct mail because I'm a firm believer in direct mail. Um, we would do it, kind of split it up, a direct mail for new customers, direct mail for existing customers. Um, we do yellow pages and call me a glutton for punishment. I just, you know, it still worked in the Kansas City market. People told us we were crazy all the time. But, you know, whenever you uh, you run your phone numbers and we had, you know, tracking numbers for all of our yellow pages and, you know, it worked. and. It was working less effective every year, but we were used them for 30 years. So we got really good rates. Um, we used radio, we used TV, we do billboards. Um, with billboards, we ended up, you know, tip, sometimes we'd buy them at the, you know, back in this, you know, $7 million days, we might have one billboard all year round or one billboard for three months in the spring and three months in the fall. We eventually got to the point that we had four billboards running year round and we would just change the branding and change the messaging on them. So. That worked out really well for us because Kansas City is a super driving heavy um, market. And so getting those interstate billboards was really good for our messaging. Um, public relations, I did that myself. I was really tied in with different chamber of commerce or organizations. And we really hit that hard just to be a part of the community. We ended up winning um, or being selected as one of the top 10 small businesses of uh, in Kansas City one of the years and we were in you know champions of business we won that three years in a row which is the fastest growing businesses in Kansas City um, and they actually audit financials for that one which is pretty big and we uh, we really just wanted to be a part of the community I think that's something that a lot of um, plumbing HVAC companies miss out on because they're just so busy grinding and grinding and grinding they don't realize the benefits of being part of the community um, I noticed one of the people I, I follow pretty closely on social media and elsewhere is uh, Mary Jean Anderson down in San Diego. She's incredible and she's very involved in the community. And it's, you know, you see people talking about her all the time. I've just happened to follow San Diego Business Journal and she's right there in the front. And there needs to be more plumbers and HVAC guys on the front cover of the Business Journal because they, like anybody else, need content. And so if you can give it to them, then it goes a long way. So. Um, being available, kind of reaching out, tell them what new things you're working on. And, you know, you can get a story pretty quick. So public relations is huge. If you don't want to do it for yourself, I like Heather Ripley PR. Um, they do fantastic work. So um, give them a shout out because they not only do good work for us now, but they do great work for a lot of the plumbing companies out there. Um, home shows, we did the home shows. And I'll tell you one thing that worked extraordinarily well. We have a really smart marketing director at Bob Hamilton, and she's still there. Um, she created this Build-A-Bear. Um, so it's, you know, do dogs were a big piece of our branding towards the end. And so the Bert um, was our mascot in the dog form. And he, she uh, would, she got together this Build-A-Dog thing. And then the trade show, we were, had swarms of people that were willing to pay us like $10 a bear to have their kids stuff this in the middle of the trade show floor. Um, and so how can you get people to your booth and how can you create an engagement and an experience for them? Like that did it. It was incredible. Um, so we've done that for three years or, or more now and it's worked out extremely well and people talk about it, which is fun. Um, internet marketing, we do the whole thing, SEO, PPC, social media, um, social media, uh, you know, we'll talk probably more about this later on in the, the interview, but it's a huge piece of what we do and there's ways to do it right and ways to do it wrong. Um, lead buying services. I didn't do a whole lot of home advisor, um, you know, e-local, any of those. I, 
I don't think that they're inherently bad. I just think that they're for different stages of the business and different markets are stronger than others. Like if your market is really good for home advisor and you're one of the few people, I just didn't like going to a job and bidding against with, you know, five other people or being racing there to try and be the first one at the house. Like it just wasn't the way that we um, handled it. And I think a lot of things um, like home advisor, like working with realtors, like working with, um, you know, landlords, uh, you can start parceling off those things as you grow. So, you know, as you continue to have more calls than you can, than you need, you can start being pickier with the clients that you serve. So it's like, you know what, they're kind of a pain and our conversions lower on those ones. And those people aren't easy to work with. And it's fun to eventually feel comfortable enough to be like, yeah, we're not going to do home advisor anymore. Or no, we're not going to, you know, do uh, the realtor's home inspections and stuff like that anymore. And so start taking those pieces back was um, pretty vindicating. Um, and then Angie's list, City Search, Yelp. I mean, we, we played the game. Uh, we, you know, paid them, um, you know, their pound of flesh or whatever. And we were fine doing it. I don't know the ramifications of not paying some of those organizations for advertising, but, you know, it's not worth the risk. I just, um, I don't know how it all works. And um, it wasn't expensive enough for me to, really worry about I had bigger fish to fry awesome so I mean that that's that's a mouthful right a lot of different strategies a lot of different techniques implemented uh, a couple things I took away from that that I think a, a lot of you did probably is the 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 annual plan at the end of the the previous year right if we failed the plan then we're planning to fail I think it's excellent that you guys took the time to pause to do the prep work what did that look like in, in like in the real world was it an excel sheet was it a, a document that you wrote out? Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm just curious. Yeah, so, you know, I'm now I'm on the other side. So I'm unbiased which organization you work with, but Nextar was the one that did this and, um, you know, worked with marketing coach, went up to Minneapolis and spent three days and they did roll out the, the spreadsheet. And um, I told Nextar they needed to make it um, just, uh, they have this business planning workshop, which is planning out your year as far as revenues go and all your different departments and what kind of uh, metrics you're going to hit. Um, I think that it needs to be a prerequisite to do this uh, marketing class that they offer too, because I, it's such a big piece of your budget. It's one of your top five expenses for your year. And so I think that you need to go in with a plan and they did it really well. And, um, you know, I think that you can figure out how to do it um, yourself. I mean, it's just planning. So put together a spreadsheet. Um, you know, if you, you're uh, one of Josh's clients, I'm sure he'd be happy to um, roll out the different forms uh, of advertising. And then honestly, it's on you guys to um, figure out how much money you want to allocate to each category based off of the historical metrics, what works and what doesn't. And then you're going to go ahead and you're going to figure out which um, pieces um, go in which months. And so we pretty much straight lined it um, because it's easier to do it that way and just said, okay, so we're going to spend $500,000 in uh, TV this year. Let's go ahead and just um, say we're going to spend X every single month. And then um, whenever we negotiated our mass media contracts, we would just use that as a guide and say, all right, so, you know, we got four stations. We've got, you know, $60,000 per month or $40,000 per month or whatever it was. So, like, here's what we're going to do on each station. And I like using um, radio and TV. I like having at least two people I'm playing with because then you can kind of figure out which contract works and play them against each other a little bit. We did all of our negotiations in-house because agencies typically um, get a 15% discount and that's their margin. And so instead of using an agency, we went ahead and just did it ourselves and asked for an agency discount on all of our mass media spend. And um, pretty much everybody will do it for you. People sometimes are finicky and they're like, no, we can't do that because then it derails the whole system, blah, blah, blah. But they would be like, okay, we're not going to spend money with you this year. And then they'd be like, okay, we'll do the 15% agency discount. It's already built into their prices. So you can get away with that pretty easy, but you just really have to plan ahead. Like just, you have to plan ahead. I, I could not imagine trying to grow as fast as we did without having every single piece figured out like we did. Um, have to have your marketing figured out by month. And one of those things is like, after you figure out how much you're gonna spend per month, you have to put on your calendar, okay, a month ahead, I'm gonna figure out which TV commercial goes on. A month ahead, I'm gonna figure out what direct mail piece is gonna go out. A month ahead, I'm gonna figure out you know all these little pieces. Um, and so you're super proactive with your messaging, with your branding, and what people are getting. And a lot of times, 
you know, we'd need a month because we'd be like, okay, well, sewers are a little bit slow. I expect they're going to be slow again next month. Let's go ahead and get a direct mail piece ready so we can have that out of the hopper on the first. Um, and it was just really kept. We're a little bit more retroactive than proactive. And it was, it was like super stressful. Um, and that's not fun at all. Power, powerful stuff, right? The whole idea of having a plan, tapping into either doing it yourself and, and, and muscling through it, or maybe tapping into one of these best in class groups that can kind of guide you through that process like Nextstar to really make things easier and smoother. Um, what would you say to the, to the plumbing or HVAC business owner that's, it's July, right? I didn't do my annual plan, so I don't have that. Is it not worth pausing now and planning out the rest of the year or at whatever phase they're at you know, in their business right now? Better to pause and set the plan for the remainder of the year than to wait until January of next year or December of next year. Would you agree? Absolutely. That's spot on. I think that, um, like saying it's too late, that is the craziest thing in the world. Like, you've just got to get something down because if you don't have goals, and you, then you can't hold yourself accountable. And so, do you want to hold yourself accountable for the next six months or do you just want to piss those months away? Um, I would encourage you to probably not piss them away. Yeah, agreed. Pow- powerful stuff. And it's just, it seems so basic, right? You set a plan, you, 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 you work towards the accomplishment of that plan, and you, you kind of figure out where you're going to spend your money on what. Uh, but I'd say 90% of the people don't ever do it, and they wonder why they're not accomplishing their goals and why they're not moving forward as quickly as they can. Um, so, so great insight. I appreciate you going back to that basic of a fundamental. The other thing that stood out to me was the percentage that you guys were putting towards growth. A lot of people say you need to spend upwards of 15% if you really want to aggressively grow the company. Uh, in, your, in your case, you were taking 10%, spending a little bit less than that, um, and still getting this mag, you know, this massive growth within your company. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, you know, I think, especially now that I'm working for home service chats, every market's different. And so I don't think that there's a hard and fast rule. I think that you have to, I think no matter where you put yourself, your customer has to pay for it. So figure out your pricing and make your customer pay for the marketing that you want to buy. Um, because at the end of the day, I would, you know, probably start at 10%, maybe 15%. And you can always kind of figure out where you fall. If I was a million dollar, $2 million shop, that was one of the first things I'd do. But I think where people mess up is they say they can't afford it. And, you know, Ellen Rohr, um, you work with Ellen, she's fantastic. And Ellen Rohr, um, you know, taught me early on that um, the person that pays for every expense of a company is the customers. And it's not just your marketing spend, it's the mistakes your technicians make, it's the, you know, pizza parties for your employees, it's, um, you know, the fun things that you wanna do, it's your health benefits. Every single thing that your company does, your customers pay for the expense. And once you digest that and you're like, oh yeah, I guess that is like pretty much the definition of running a business, um, you need to actually do it. And so increasing your prices is probably one of the musts that people have a hard time doing. Your customers will not notice. Um, the only person that will notice how high your prices are or your considered uh, quote unquote high prices is you. And so um, just do it. Um, raise your prices, um, have a plan, figure out where you want to spend the money. And ultimately, if you budget for 15 or 10 or 15%, you're probably going to grow faster than you want to grow because your processes aren't going to be refined enough um, to actually grow the organization. And so you're probably going to end up pulling back your marketing because you're going to notice things that are broken and you're going to need to fix that broken thing before you punch on the gas again. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that putting some marketing spend in there and seeing the calls generated will give you an enormous confidence in how well you can grow that business so long as you figure out some of those other pieces and those get illuminated with the amount of calls that you have coming in because you know Johnny's not on on the job on time or the dispatchers kind of throwing away all my calls or the customer service reps don't book them whenever they do ring. Um, you can kind of figure out those things, pull back, fix it, push on the gas again, and you know that's just part of growing a business. And then eventually you get around seven, eight million, and you know you really have refined processes i think 15 million is another big hurdle where it's just like okay we need to change some things around to make it a little bit more scalable and make sure it's more of an experience for our customers consistent with no matter what technician comes out and then you punch on the gas again 21 million you're going to have a little bit more and then um you just start doing those tweaks and it, it works out really well for you great great stuff 
And the other thing I think that really kind of stood out from, from all of the things you rattled off is that it's not one play, right? A lot of people think they can just, I'm going to double down on internet, or I'm going to double down on yellow pages. I don't think anybody's saying that at this point. But um, it's really more about a diverse marketing mix. Did you guys have multiple channels that you were advertising in kind of from the beginning when you started back at 5 million? Or do you feel like that came as you got bigger? Um. I think it was largely, it was some of the same channels. It was just more spend. I mean, like anything else, it's scalable models that you're looking for. And so, um, you know, whenever we were doing TV at the very beginning, it was one television station um, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday um, for just like three hours or two hours. And so we'd be able to get a couple impressions. And so the people that would watch and we'd always do the news. And so you know, it's a pretty loyal customer base that's going to be watching the news on a network television station. And so we were able to hit them with our messaging, you know, two times an episode or one time, uh, one time uh, an episode. And then it would allow us to continue to kind of um, make us look bigger than we are. And I think that, you know, it's just one of those things that you have to just digest um, what it looks like to make yourself look bigger. Um, you can always play at a smaller level and you just have to figure out how to do it. Good, good stuff. Power, powerful, powerful insights. So, you know, what was it out of all of those things that you felt like drove the most new business for you guys? Well, that's a good question. Um, television. I think television and mass media is probably the most impactful. Okay. The problem, and, and it's, I have a hard time saying it because it's all campaign based, right? So like, you know, you have people getting direct mail from you, they see you on TV, they see your trucks, like there's no one thing that's a magic bullet. But we did notice as soon as we started doing television that it was very impactful for the business as far as um, I think it probably built up our credibility. So we had all the other things going and then, you know, they see you on TV and it's that Toma that you're going for, that top of mind awareness. So whenever they're standing in a puddle of water in their basement, and they're like, well, I got this card and I got saw that truck and then I saw them on TV. Like they, they just know they're going to call you. Um, I just think that's incredibly impactful. So um, television was um, really great for us. It's not feasible in every market, though. And I realize that and I talk to people on a regular basis and um, it's, you know, it's fine if that's not your thing. I wouldn't try and force it on you. Um, because Kansas City is totally different than the East and West Coast because we're totally segregated. And if we market on television, we're definitely going to be marketing to our customer. If you're over in New Jersey, I don't even know what network television looks like over there, but I imagine it probably bleeds pretty good into the different areas. Um, and so that'd be tough. I also liked radio, talk radio specifically and sports radio because I wanted radio stations where people would actually listen through the commercials and not just change it like they do on top 40 stations or some other music stations. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's a, a big piece that I thought worked really well. And then just marketing to your existing customer base. So um, I liked customer lobby a lot. Uh, customer lobby, um, you know, they tap into most CRMs nowadays, if not all of them. Yep. And they will um, do all of the mailers to your existing base. And it was what I was bad at. And for just marginally more than what it would cost me to send out the postcard myself, they did it for us. Um, the only uh, thing that I would tell people that we kind of learned the hard way is um, it's really easy to use um, Canva. Um, it's a free um, design software online to just design out your own postcards and you can import them into customer lobby. So the branding's on point with, you know, what you're going for. So you just want to make sure that you have your colors, your logos, and even your personality run through um, even if customer lobby is going to be handling the mailers. Cool. I, I did not know that. I love the idea of leveraging customer lobby to automatically touch the customer base at, at some frequency. Uh, didn't know you could customize the, the postcard. So that's that's a cool insight. Yeah, their postcards are ugly. And I, I would if, if I didn't have an option to change that, I probably wouldn't have stayed with them. But it's super easy to import and have them use yours instead. Awesome. All right. So, so customer lobby marketing to the existing customer base. Um, you mentioned you're going to talk a little bit about social media and the power of that for for Bob Hamilton. Can you talk a little bit about what you guys did with social media and how it impacted you guys? Yeah, so um, 
One thing about marketing is I feel like um, people like it to be 95% creative and 5% implementation. That's dumb. Um, so don't do that. Um, instead, 95% implementation and 5% creative because we live at, we work in an industry with plumbing, HVAC, and any residential service where we literally do not have to do anything creative. If you just search like your favorite companies in other cities, um, just let them do the hard work. And I did that. I followed some of the best companies in every market um, on Facebook, on Twitter, and it's really easy to kind of figure out what they're doing. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel because I guarantee you these $50 million organizations already have it figured out. So 95% um, implementing and changing up logos and putting it into your brand um, and maybe 5% just Googling around and seeing what other people are doing. Like, don't make it harder on yourself. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. It's already being done really well um, everywhere else. So uh, we uh, we have this rock star marketing director at Bob Hamilton, and she did fantastic work. And like I said, she's still there. Um, people want to see actual people on Facebook. Uh, people actually stop scrolling whenever they see faces and videos of people. Um, if if I see another plumbing meme um, on an actual company's website, thinking that their their customer is going to like it, I'll blow my head off because it's absolutely crazy that people think that that's a good idea. Like. Nobody cares about your funny toilet meme besides other plumbing companies. So figure out what your customers want is they want to see your technicians in the field. They want to see happy people. They want to know that the culture is good and they want to know that you resonate with the values of the market. Um, and so our marketing director was really good at, you know, having technicians take selfies out in the field and she would go out to job sites and take video and she would, you know, do interviews with people in the office. Like, that stuff really, really works. And people are really excited to tell their friends about it. And people are, technicians are excited to tell their other technical friends that work at other companies, like how fun it is to like be on Facebook and to be featured. Like don't, don't downplay um, people's ego in like their workplace. And so that's huge for retention. And whenever it's the hardest thing that we do is trying to get technicians and trying to recruit for our company companies recruit to your existing people like make them feel loved every single day and a big piece of that's just the social media and it's what your customers want to see on the outside too so um i think she did a fantastic job with that um she did facebook live videos whenever we were at charity events and um really i just think that there's so much emotion involved in um the customer buying journey that if you can tap into them seeing you and feeling emotional about it, whether they're happy or they're excited or whatever, um, they're going to remember you and it further furthers the Toma for your brand. Nice. So I have some great insights here, guys, on, on, you know, the market, the message, the media, diversity, the planning. So Trevor, thank you very much for sharing some of these really cool insights and things that, you know, you wouldn't see every day. I mean, these are, these are, strategies learned at a $20 million company and really a company that quickly grew from $5 million to $20 million. So tremendous, tremendous insights. As it relates to, to learning some of this stuff, um, and, and I know that you're a big believer in, in personal development and training, what were some of the organizations and, and training you know, programs that had the biggest impact on you helping to implement some of these strategies? Gosh, that's, uh, that's, that's tough. Um, so I was super heavily involved in Nexstar. Um, and so I was kind of in a Nexstar bubble whenever I was running my organization. I think it's a fantastic organization and they do great stuff. But since I've left and now I'm on the home service chat side, my eyes have been open to um, other organizations that are incredibly impactful. SGI, Success Group International, some people know them as Airtime 500. They, they are incredible as far as the value they bring. Um, QSC, another one that's fantastic. It's been around for 20 years or more. I think that they're probably one of the oldest best practice groups that are out there. Um, and they're fantastic. Service Nation Alliance and Service Roundtable. I learn more from those people. Um, their advisory board groups are something that I wish I would have had whenever I was running my organization because it's a group of people that can tell you to pull your head out a lot faster than you're probably willing to. Um, CEO Warriors, another one. Um, you know. I, I just think that there's so many um, groups out there that really can help people. Um, and I just think it's foolish to do it alone. And so I was fortunate enough to have one, have Nexstar, but I just think it's, uh, I, I, there's no way I would have grown without them because 
it's really lonely at the top. If you're trying to do this by yourself or with your spouse, um, you're just not going to be able to do it. Um, I mean, it's, it stinks, but you're on an Island. And so if you don't have other smart people that are pulling you up and trying to kind of pouring into the relationship, you just lose out on so much. And, you know, I, I don't care where you go. I think they all have different styles. I think that it's silly not, not to spend the money. I think some of them people get shy away because they're expensive. Um, but it's like, it's an investment. It's like buying a truck. It's like doing anything else that's for your business. Um, and just because it's not tangible, um, people have a hard time kind of pulling that trigger, but there's, I think the, the biggest identifier is if you're a small organization, if you're less than, uh, if you're around a million, two million, three million, four million, or even smaller, um, like don't try and reinvent the wheel. Like the biggest organizations in your area are part of one of these. Like once you identify that, it's like, oh, that's the, it is like how smart people teach you how to do it better. Um, then you just need to implement, you just need to go for it and just learn. Um, because I think the biggest thing that holds owners back is ego and thinking that they have to have it all figured out. And it's just not true. And I think that the sooner you figure out that you're not born with the answers and it's, it's going to help you so much because I'm not a bright guy. I fail so many times every single day I fail. And once I identify like, Oh, that's failure, that's failure, that's failure. I can start changing course. But it's so easy to get your ego involved in the decisions that you're making in your company that you can't make better decisions. And that's probably the biggest hindrance to growth in organizations nowadays is just ego getting involved. And once you're just like, Hey, you know what? Like I'm not the brightest person. I don't need to know this. I can let other people do it for me. Um, you can get out of your own way and just grow like crazy. Powerful. Yeah. And so, so Trevor rattled off some of the top groups and organizations, peer groups, trending organizations, that, that he's been exposed to. Uh, what I find is the, the people that we interview on this podcast, which are some of the most successful plumbing and HVAC business owners in the country, um, are involved in these groups at some level, right? They find a group that resonates with them, that can help give them the answers, that can help give them the things they should and could implement. And so, you know, go back, check out one of these groups. I'll post it in the replay um, and find the one that's right for you if you're not already involved. And just rest assured, there there is help out there for you. You don't have to do it all on your own. Absolutely. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, about home service chats, right? So um, home service chats, as most of you guys know, is a chat service that can be added to your website that will increase engagement and will really ultimately help you generate better leads, better return on investment from all of the marketing that you're doing. And um, I, I had the opportunity to connect with Trevor. Must have been what, like three years ago now, two years? I don't even know how long. Yeah, yeah. So whenever I was still at Bob Hamilton, we we met at a Nextar conference. But home service chats. Uh, I mean, we talked this time last year was probably the first time you were introduced to this organization because we just started in March of last year, and we've already you know have about twelve hundred um, contractors using our service. That's incredible. So just kind of talk to me a little bit about home service chats. What you guys are doing. Um, kind of what you do for, for plumbing and HVAC contractors. Yeah, so kind of what I tried to do this in-house. So um, talk, talk about, you know, failing in business, um, you know, identify what failure looks like. One of the things for me was uh, trying to do chat on my website. My buddy started this company um, before I was even here and he was doing chat for orthodontists. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I, you know, I bet I can do that found out that only about 5% of the people on our website were actually taking action, whether they're calling us or doing the click to schedule an appointment button. And it's like, I'm spending millions of dollars on advertising and marketing, and I'm only getting 5% of people actioning on my website. Like 95% of people come to my website and leave. Like that is bananas. Like that is so many people leaving. Um, and so we're like, okay, so how can we do better? The biggest and best answer is obviously live chat. It's like um, putting a person at the front desk of your digital office. Um, because when people come in the door, somebody says, Hey, what are you looking for? And we can possibly capture them. So the, the results are about 40% more leads, uh, from any website. If, uh, our chat platform is there. Um, and if that's not already good, um, we also help with recruitment. So somebody's coming and looking for a job. That's about 2% of the people that come to your website. We can talk to them as if we are, and we look like we are the CSR for your company. Um, we, uh, you know, we say this is the best place you'll ever work. Like, 
Um, this is why we're great. And we have a customized profile for every company that we can talk about, you know, why it's great to be a customer, why it's great to work for you. You know, um, we have the hours of operation and all the good stuff that we can really differentiate your service for everybody that walks into your digital door. And it's just, it's a simple thing. I mean, it's pop-up chat. And honestly, I think the funniest thing is people are so slow to pull the trigger um, because they get in their own way. Um, it's a widget on the website. We don't have any contracts. And I think that's why we've been kind of adopted so freely. You know, we, we have a 99% retention rate with no contracts. Like that does not happen for anybody. Um, and so we come in every day and we do a very simple thing and we just kind of try and figure out how to do that very simple thing a little bit better every time we come in. That, that's awesome. And, and, you know, I guess kind of going back to where you and I met, we were, we were doing chat. I was already a believer in chat for our clients and we had a chat service that was third party that their only objective was to get the name, the phone number and the email address from the people on the site. And we knew that we could, by having that little interaction, increase the number of leads coming via the website. Uh, mm -hmm. What you brought to the equation that was different was a true CSR mentality to the chat process. So, you know, your, your chatters were trained in the next door way. They understand how to engage with the customer. They were really there not just to get a name and an email, but to really connect with the person, figure out what their issue was, and, and kind of soft transfer a very warm lead from the website. Yeah. And uh, that was the hypothesis. We tested that out with a couple of our premier clients early and just found the results were exponentially better. It wasn't even a fair comparison. And since then, we've, we've referred all of our clients over to home service chats. And, um, you know, that's, I think, because you guys are so good at this and you take such a unique angle, why you're having this exponential growth within the industry. Well, and we're cheaper than most other chat platforms. I'll, honestly, we're cheaper than buying a license yourself half the time um, for trying to do it in house. We were realizing like, Oh my gosh, like this is a killer deal. Like some of these chat services to try and do it in house, you're buying a hundred dollars or $200 a month, uh, for the chat license for people that are using outsourced chat to the, you know, Pakistan or India or wherever, you know, they're paying sometimes more than what we charge our monthly customers, but we go direct to the contractor. Um, and we're here in Kansas city and cost of living is pretty cheap and we can get some exceptional people, but you know, there's a lot of tools in our tool chest. We have empathy to build rapport. Um, we get capture more information. We want first name, last name, phone number, email, physical address, and then we build value specific to each company. Um, and I think that having all of our chat specialists actually in-house, so all of them actually um, work here in Kansas City in the same building 24-7. Uh, they have a coach and they kind of have little pods that they help each other out. Like that just makes the quality so good because people can say, what's a garburator? And the person across and be like, oh, that's a garbage disposal um, in England. And that's probably somebody that's just moved here or something like that. And I'm just like, that's like next level stuff. Like I didn't even know what a garburator was until I was like listening to our chat specialist talk. So like, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. So if somebody wants to learn more about, about your chat service and potentially implementing it on their, their plumbing or HVAC website, what would be the best way for them to connect with you guys on that? Yeah. I mean, the best way is probably just go to homeservicechats.com and then chat with one of our representatives and give them a hard time and see if they can, uh, see if they can handle it. Um, I just, you know, talk to them yourself. They're sitting in our office here and uh, they're, they're excited to talk to every person that comes there. And um, you know, if they're not, we can, we can coach them, um, which I think is another big differentiator, but I don't know. I think that they're really exceptional people and we're, we're really changing lives here. And that's the rewarding part for me. Obviously I'm not super passionate about live chat as much as I'm passionate about taking people and giving them an opportunity they didn't otherwise have. And you know, 90% of our managers are former chat specialists and our coaches are former chat specialists, same with our marketing department and salespeople. Um, and so I just think that's the coolest thing that we do here is just being able to give opportunities. That's awesome. So I recently, I recently was reading an article in the, I think it was the, the business journal in your market featuring you guys and the massive growth track that you're on. Um, I think you said on this interview, it was about a year ago that you started this company. Is that right? Yeah. A year ago, March. Um, so yeah, we already have over 110 employees. We're in two buildings um, now, and we're planning on building our third building, which will probably be up sometime in March. Incredible! Congratulations to you and Scott for your you know tremendous execution and for the the, the success and the momentum within this this company. 
Thank you so much. I mean, we couldn't have done it without you and a lot of other really smart people um, that are, you know, helping us in the industry. I, I just think that there's something unique about this industry that people are so much more easily easy to work with and try and very collaborative in nature that, you know, it's a, it takes a village and we're all willing to help each other. Good stuff. So again, and this has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much for sharing kind of in, in getting to close here and wrapping up. What would be, you know, what would be the, the, I guess the closing piece of wisdom you'd share with that plumbing or HVAC contractor that's wherever they're at, they're trying to get to the next level. What would you say to that guy or gal? Yeah, I, I mean, biasly, I'd say I'd chat to your website, <laughs> um, but you know, that's not the end all be all. I just think um, the big thing is just don't get in the weeds, like just get, get away from um, getting in your own way and listen to people and, you know, find people that you really trust and build a community in this industry that you can really grow with because you know, we don't want to just die working. Um, we want to be able to kind of take away relationships and really pour into each other. And so I've, you know, I did not expect that I would be working in this industry for, um, you know, the rest of my life, but I know I'm gonna because it's fantastic. And, um, you know, even if you don't want to use chat, reach out to me, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. You know, my email is just Trevor at homeservicechats.com. And, you know, I have a pretty well run organization over here. And, everybody else wants me to get out of their way. So just um, hit me up so I don't get in theirs. Um, and I, you know, I just, I, I appreciate um, everything you do, Josh. Um, I think that, you know, you, uh, this takes a lot of effort putting people on podcasts every week or every other week. And um, it's really cool that you're doing this. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, again, thanks for your generosity of spirit. Thank you for your willingness to share this has been an awesome, an awesome interview. I think a lot of great insights. I'm going to open up for, for questions. If anybody has any specific questions they want to ask, we've got about five minutes left. Trevor, is that good for you? Yeah. Uh, we do have a great group of you know, 30 plus people on with us live. So if you have a specific question for Trevor about business growth, about the chat service, about anything along those lines, pop them in the comments box and um, we will, we will answer those questions. Always takes a couple minutes for people's questions to pull in, but um, it looks like Chuck wrote, um, "I came in late. Will it? Uh, will there be a replay?" Yeah, I think that you're recording this, right? So I've recorded this. It yep, it'll be up on PlumbingMarketing.net. Um, I'll also put in there. He referenced some some cool resources like the Bob Hamilton um, TV ads, and I'll, I'll make sure to incorporate links to some of those so you guys can see them as a point of reference. And of course, I'll put in there all of Trevor's contact information for home service chats in case you want to reach out to them. Um, seems to me like a no-brainer, right? You've got a website, you're doing any amount of marketing, people are winding up at your website. You want to convert as many of those leads as possible, as many of those visitors into leads. Um, get with Trevor's team and, and get that put onto your website. It's really a no-risk proposition. I cannot believe that we're not getting inundated with questions. But that's, uh, that's okay. I think Trevor might have just covered things so well that there's no, no questions to be asked. Yeah, I know that's not the case, but I appreciate the compliment, guys. Um, all right, so let's, let's wrap it up. You know, if, if you got value from this interview, if you'd like to hear other interviews like this with other highly successful players in the plumbing and HVAC world, be sure to go to plumbingmarketing.net. Uh, we've got an archive now of about 30 or so interviews like this. Um, and you can also subscribe to get uh, alerted as new episodes are posted. So be sure to go to plumbingmarketing.net to subscribe for the for the podcast.